When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Welcome to episode 214 of the Barcelona Podcast, home to the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I'm again joined by Frances Tomas, Barca columnist featured on ESPN, and The Guardian, my co-host who, after some conversation, agreed that he would also, Cicada. Hey, Frances. Hola, 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 culés. Um, yeah, uh, Messi Cicada. I'm obviously ketamine myself. That's, that's not really a word. That's really awful. I'm staying in the program, obviously. Um, uh, it's, it's one of the highlights of my week, to be honest. I don't really get to talk Barca to many people at home. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is a pleasure to be here again. Well, Frances, thank goodness that you're back because we are now this week having a reaction to Messi staying at the club. And last week, for those who had missed it, you had some interesting comments that I think were really polarizing. So I need you because these questions are for you. Because today we are dipping in again to La Ronda, to those listener questions from the closed Facebook group. And we are starting with a question. We're going to come out firing, Frances, right for you. Samir asked, my question is for Frances. 
He was maybe a tad bit harsh on Messi for the whole saga. How has the interview changed your perspective, if not? And, and if you want, Frances, I will piggyback off that with a question from Sujith, all about his leadership and whether or not the captaincy should stay with Messi. But first, Frances, honestly, not about having your mind changed, but what did you think of the interview? Well, I thought that Messi came across the, the, like the person we've known for 20 years. He came across very genuine. He came across really, really honest. And um, I believed him. Um, obviously, he was talking from a position of knowledge. He was talking from a position of being totally informed and totally, you know, in control of, uh, of all the words he was using. Um, Messi has a lot of the time, especially not in recent years, but especially around five, ten years ago and before that, as if, you know, he didn't really know what was going on with his contracts and his, his sponsorships, etc. But um, obviously, at 33 years old, he's taken control of his career and he was as articulate as I've ever heard him, to be honest. And, uh, um, you know, the last 20 years give me no reason to doubt that what he was saying, he, he believed himself. Now, obviously, the, the key contentious point here was the, the contract. I mean, Messi was certain and so was his dad as well. Because he sent another note um, a couple of hours before Messi's interview actually came out, just to La Liga saying that, you know, we are right when, you know, La Liga then replied very quickly and said, actually, no, you're not. Because in the contract, it says clearly that, you know, it's the 10th of June and the 10th of June is gone. But yeah, no, I think that Messi defended his position. Um, I honestly think that Messi didn't want to stay at Barca. And that is something that we need to be really concerned about. We need to look at the reasons why he didn't want to stay. Um, I honestly think that if Messi had had a club who really, really, really wanted him, he would be gone. But I think that, you know, if it was Manchester City that was behind all this, uh, people are saying PSG as well, but I think that Chiqui, Soriano and Guardiola would have definitely been behind this. Um, I don't think the City was prepared to pay any money for Messi and they wanted him to go on the free. Um, and I think that's one of the key reasons why Messi is still at Barca. Yeah, it's frustrating to think that what I wanted from this was, and Messi said it himself, that he felt like his time at Barcelona was over. He wanted to hand it over to another generation. And I think he understood that the club was just making moves around him, not even to personally suit him, but players that would just fit in with what Messi was doing at Barcelona. And with having the whole club revolve around him, he felt and admitted himself that he felt like the squad itself had become unbalanced in that way. So I think that the idea that we were going to get a transfer fee for him that they would find some negotiated fee, like I had been talking about with Ronaldo, to know that that really wasn't an option. Because the way this played out was Messi's camp said, I should be able to leave for free. And once the answer to that was no, and the board just kind of, and the Liga as well, with their backing, they dug their heels in and said, no, it's 700 million euros, that's the release clause, that's what someone will have to pay. Once those two sides were dug in, there was no compromise to be had. Because any compromise the board gave would basically be admitting that there was some kind of clause, and that... that free clause might have some validity to it. If not, Messi would have to stay for 700 million euros. The one thing that does make everyone feel odd about that is that, yes, because 700 million euros was his release clause, that it does feel like the board is keeping Messi, and this is crazy to say it, but they're keeping Messi hostage at the club for a season, which is insane, right? It was a heartbreaking decision, and Bartomeu's job as president was to do what was best for the club. So trying to keep a player or trying to get 700 million euros was what was best for the club, unfortunately. But as I said, what I thought the best thing for the for everybody, all parties, would have been some transfer fee. And to know that that was really never on the table is unfortunate. But all that said, I think with the way this Messi saga has kind of ended, I actually wind up 
being optimistic about the season because I know that he doesn't want to to play for Barcelona this season, but he said that he'll give it his all, that he's he's bought in. And I've said from the start, like I honestly believe that with Messi set to leave for free next summer, it does get some positive things out of it where the club doesn't get any transfer fee. I know that. I said it in the YouTube video that I came that came out over the weekend that the expectation that if a club is run well enough, they could leave a Xavi, Iniesta, Puyol, the club legends. Those players can leave for free when they want, and you don't need transfer fees to be able to manage without them because just having Messi's wages off the books is going to be just an, an absurd amount of financial relief to help the rebuilding project moving forward. And so I think that the club should be able to survive this because, again, now they have a player in this hostage situation. I'm also just trying to be optimistic that, one, from a footballing sense, the transfer of power in this squad, this is a transition year. Everybody understands that. And we're going to get to Komen in a second and how he fits into this. The idea that Messi is going to basically be able to hand the baton off in a season that we understand in his final season, I think is actually helpful. I think that's going to galvanize the team and help them understand what's in front of them. And basically having Messi as that relief valve, where last season I talked about how they could get to 50 goals without Messi. Well, I think if, obviously, they're going to have a lot less minutes if Messi's on the field now. So you're going to talk about half those goals. But if Messi still scores 22 to 25 goals, now you're only asking for 25 other goals of those players that I had mentioned, which now becomes a a, a lot more realistic. And he also gets a proper send-off, too. Well, Gun, before we go into any other players, um, I just want to go back to what you said at the beginning. I mean, you said that um, Barca are keeping Messi hostage. I've actually seen that all over social media as well. I don't agree with that. Um, unfortunately, I don't. And I, I know that I'm probably in the minority here. But Messi's not being held hostage at all. Uh, Messi signed a contract. And uh, the contract that he signed is very lucrative. Uh, obviously, he's the best player in the world and he needs to be paid accordingly. I don't, I don't doubt that. But... I think that when people sign five-year contracts and then they want to get out of them, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be Messi, it could be anybody. Then I don't. I think the word hostage is, is too much because um, you know you sign the contract willingly, um, you get paid accordingly as well, and the higher your your wage, the higher your salary, the higher the release clause would be. So obviously, I do understand that players sometimes want to leave, but. I don't, I don't like the word hostage. I mean, you could say that PSG has been keeping Verratti hostage for three years. You can say that PSG have done it with Neymar as well, and obviously with Mbappé. So, no, I don't like the word. They just have a contract. And um, unfortunately for players, it doesn't always, the, the law doesn't always side with them, especially when a contract is signed. Having said that, I don't think Bartomeu has done things um, properly. I don't think Bartomeu has done things well. I do think that he has defended Barca's interest above everything else, which I, I agree he needed to do. Because as I said last week, and I make no apologies for this, the club has to be above the players. I mean, Bartomeu has not said a word to anybody. Obviously, behind the scenes he has, but he hasn't spoken publicly at all. He's defended Barca's interest, and he's let the contract do the talk. Um, and the, the, the clear example that Barca were writing what the contract was saying is that Messi is not gone because there was no club that were able to risk um, a potential trial against Barca that they would ultimately perhaps be forced to pay the 700 million euros that the clause says. I mean, Messi did say in his interview, I don't want to take Barca to court. And I believe that he's honest when he's saying that. But obviously, if he was that sure that the contract allowed him to leave, then he wouldn't have even had to mention about the court. He would have just left um, happily and, you know, without a worry in the world. But obviously that, that was not the case. And 
I know that, you know, people were questioning about what I said about him not being loyal. Uh, I'm going to repeat what I said. I think that when the ship is sinking, the captain shouldn't leave it. I think the captain should stay to steer it back up to make things better. And, uh, you know, there's always the conversation about Messi being the best player ever. And I don't think there's any doubt on that. Obviously, people, you know, in terms of World Cups, Maradona, Pelé, etc. And you can have a whole podcast on that on that debate. But I think what, what people may doubt Messi for sort of reaching that, that pinnacle of the best footballer in the world ever is his leadership skills. Is the fact that, you know, when he's captain Argentina, he hasn't been leading Argentina in a way that they've been successful, uh, in a way that it's obvious that, you know, everyone is sort of rowing in the same direction behind him. I mean, when I think of a captain, I think of someone like Mascherano, for example. Um, I think of someone like, and I don't like the guy, but someone like Sergio Ramos, for example. Someone like Ronaldo does in Portugal. You know, someone who everyone sort of looks up to, everyone who some, everyone else respects, and, uh, you know, they get behind. And, and unfortunately, Messi is not that. Obviously, I know I'm sounding too critical of Messi, but I just want to put things into perspective. No player can be bigger than the club. Um, having said all that, I do believe that, you know, the best solution for all of us, uh, <laughs> the fans, the player himself, the club, um, and everyone involved, should have been negotiating a way out. And as we said last week, 150 million euros for me would have done it. But um, obviously, Bartomeu didn't want to um, put his neck on the on the train track. Um, he didn't want to be the president who agreed to sell Messi. And uh, I, I, I understand why, why he's done that, but, you know, he should have put the club as I said, no one is above the club, and that involves that applies to Messi. But the same sentence also involves Bartomeu. I mean, I think that in this situation, he probably has put his interest above the interest of the club as well. Because if you've got a player of his salary, his importance, and his legacy who wants out, you really should have been a little bit more flexible. Not to let him go for free. I absolutely 100 million trillion billion percent thing that not letting him go for free is the right thing to do because, you know, there's a contract and uh, there's a salary that the player is getting. But to, to, to have him stay in for, you know, against his will and giving all the reasons that he's given, I think that I don't think that makes sense either. He should have been negotiating a way out that left some money in the bank so Barca can, uh, you know, push forward the rebuild in the best possible way. But at the same time, we're getting messy for another season. Um, we just have to trust that what he's saying about giving his best actually does happen and that things don't turn ugly because if things turn ugly in terms of results, it is likely that there's going to be, you know, whatever we're talking about today and we've talked about this season, we'll probably laugh about moving forward, but we just have to see how it pans out. So we'll talk all about how this team is going to revolve around Messi for one more year, at least on the other side of this break. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash, DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. And I can say from personal experience, in this pandemic, I live in a really busy place in uh, right outside New York City. And so DoorDash and getting things delivered have been really important. And for me, going in, and I had Chipotle last week, so going into Chipotle and getting it myself, putting it in the bag and bringing it onto my own. I know DoorDash can't help me with this, but when I took it out, and this is a sad story, not unrelated to DoorDash, but I took it out of the bag, the lid wound up slipping off, and then I got 
obviously some Chipotle stuff all over my pants. And again, that is not the fault of DoorDash because what they do is they put their stuff neatly in the bag. They fold up the bag nice and tidy. They put it on your front door and you have little work to do. And so if you wind up spilling out yourself like me, well, I guess that's on you. So right now our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. I just want to close by answering to that point about Messi and Bartomeu that I know it seems, Frances, I mean, this is you and I talking off mic as well, that it sounds like, again, you've taken the side of Bartomeu in this instance, but I want to make it very clear to people, not to speak for you, but to also just say that Bartomeu, what was best for Bartomeu in this situation unfortunately happened to be what was best for the club. And so when we are talking about the vote of no confidence and the motion to censure, which we gave an update on last week's show about that. And I know a few more days have gone by, but they're still collecting signatures at a lot of different points. But the idea of COVID is going to make this very, very difficult to collect the necessary 16,000 signatures. And then you have to have the vote, the actual vote to go through. And you're going to need a lot more names and a lot more people to vote for that. So there are certainly challenges to go ahead with the motion to censure, but the idea that people are less likely to vote because Messi is staying is in in no way correct. I think even with Messi staying, especially with the way that Messi has called Bartomeu by name and said that he has made mistakes, and there are points, obviously, that we agree with, that we can see that there is no sporting project. And I think for the rest of the show, you're going to basically hear me harping on that message that, that Messi put forth, that there is a lack of planning, and there has been for years now, I mean, they have made baffling individual decisions, sure. We can talk about the individual players that were brought in. But the fact of the matter is, and Griezmann and Coutinho is the point that we've, I think, spoken about the most, that why would you bring in two players for almost 300 million euros that both play the same position as Messi, who was expected to be in the club, or at least your vision of the club, even if he was asking to leave, Bartomeu's vision of Barcelona was still having Messi around. So that means that those transfers are even more baffling because Bartomeu's Barcelona looked different than Messi's Barcelona. So I also want to, about the captaincy point, we actually had a question from Tito about whether or not Messi should give the captaincy to someone like Ter Stegen or Pique. But Ter Stegen, one, isn't even a captain at this point, so he'll become a third or fourth captain first. But I also think that if Messi's in the squad, Messi is still the captain. I don't think that changes. I think, as he said, his loyalty is to, at this point, the club, the crest, and his teammates, and not so much to this manager in Komen. So expect that to potentially turn ugly very quickly. And his loyalty is also not to Bartomeu, who, and this is kind of the point I said, and I'm going to wrap up this Messi point, we'll move on, that in my vision of the club, and I think, thankfully for Messi, I think in hindsight, he will look back and say that I wanted to leave, sure, but staying, especially for his family, because he mentioned his family was the, a defining factor in all this, that they did not want to leave. So Messi's going to find that I think the positives are, one, for his family, that he's able to just keep them in Barcelona for one more year at least. And then the other point, too, is that Bartomeu leaving the club before Messi is the right timeline for FC Barcelona moving forward. 
I, it's, it's my honest belief that I think the best way forward in rebuilding is understanding that this is Messi's last year. Hopefully fans are in the stadium come May. He gets that proper ovation. He gets that proper final match. And we get to see him right off in the sunset like he was supposed to. And at that point, especially if the elections, even if the vote of no confidence doesn't go through, the elections would be in March. So that would be under a new board. This would happen. And most likely it'll be in a, a board that Messi prefers. So it doesn't mean he has to stay. And so I think for those saying, well, does the change in Messi staying this year mean that he could be convinced to stay? I don't think so. I think no matter what, this is his final season. But I think the idea that this is his final season is something we can get comfortable with. It's something Messi can get comfortable with. And I still think trophies are possible. But as I've been kind of saying for a while, Frances, as we'll move on to this next topic here about Ronald Koeman and Douglas asked, with Messi returning to the team, how much pressure is back on Koeman to succeed? Well, now it seems like a lot of pressure is on him but in the same regard, if you're Coleman, and this is where I have with Vidal's comments, Vidal had said that the team is too full of now inexperienced players, and it's almost a flip. Well, unfortunately for Vidal, the team, the average age of the team was almost 30 years old, 29, 30 years old of the starting lineup. And just because you got rid of Vidal, Rakitic, and Suarez does not mean that the squad is now a lot younger. And yes, it's going to have Pedri and Tricao and these players. And obviously, Fati and Puy should have even increased roles. So sure, you're going to have a lot of players that are breaking through. But I'm going to give my starting lineup in a minute. And of that starting lineup, the average age is still like 26 to 28 years old, which is the average in world football. So you're finally closer to how young the starting lineup of other football teams are instead of having all these players that are so much older. So I, I think all those things have to come into play. And the bravery, that's always the, the word I, I say. Valverde, there were a lot of times when he wasn't brave. The only time he really was brave was playing Ansu Fati. And then when it came to Setien, the only bravery he showed was playing Ricky Puj. But you could argue that for Fati and Puj, both of those were out of injury necessity. Uh, those guys were not very brave. And once again, it's going to come down on Coleman, whether or not he's brave. So, Frances, the question that Douglas asks is, how much pressure do you think is on Coleman now that Messi is staying in the team? I mean, we know that he's not fighting for his job, but do you think he's still going to try to fight for his job? Yes, I think so, because um, next year there will be a different president. Even not even next, well, it will be technically next year, but it won't even be next season. It will be around March, won't it? So um, there's going to be a new president that is most likely going to bring a coach that they trust. I don't want to... I don't want to jinx it, but it looks like Victor Font every time that, you know, I listen to Catalonia radio or I read Sport or Mundo Deportivo or any of the Spanish, but mainly the Catalan media, they just pretty much assume that he's going to be the next president, especially because Bartomeu doesn't have obviously much credit and doesn't seem to have a Delphine, which is someone who is under his wing that he's going to pass, you know, the button to and, you know. Let's face it, Bartomeu has been disastrous for Barca, especially from a sporting perspective. Wow, Francis, what a hot, what a hot take there! Yeah, everyone's gonna disagree with that one. So no, I think that you know he's got so so little credit that it doesn't quite matter who he tips for the next pres for the, to be the next presidency. It doesn't matter who he tips for the job; they're just not gonna get it. So um, if Victor Fon is successful, which I think he will be, then Xavi is coming, and uh, Kuman will not really be at Barca anymore, or at least he won't be the first coach at Barca. Maybe he goes for an assistant coach job or some sort of scouting. I don't know what they would do with him. Um, I think they're probably going to have to pay him off to release him of the two-year contract that he just signed, which you know takes us back to what we were saying two weeks ago, which is just not sensical. Bartomeu should have resigned and allowed new blood to come in right now. But obviously, um, he had other interest. And you know, there's a lot of, we've got very, very, very very intelligent audience. Um, I don't need to say that, you know, he probably needed to stay uh, for money reasons. Obviously, I've got no evidence for that disclaimer, but um, I think that is that is quite obvious for everyone who follows Barca closely like we do. 
Um, pressure on Kuman, yeah, of course, he's a Barca manager, so there's always going to be pressure. I think that the fact that Messi is staying, though, is going to make the pressure that he was going to have even higher because, you know, you cannot really afford to have Messi in your team and not be challenging for titles. I don't really care what Arturo Vidal says. He's wrong. Uh, I think that, you know, you mentioned that very clearly, very articulately as well. Um, the fact that Suarez, Vidal and Rakitic could potentially lead the, the, the squad. Uh, obviously, Rakitic has already gone to, to Sevilla, which is, which is good news for him and for the club, for our club. And for Sevilla as well, but, you know, it's a Barca podcast. Um, I think that, you know, the squad being younger is only going to, as you said, allow us to compete at the highest level again. Um, I think that the biggest problem in my eyes is the defensive line that is weak. And uh, unfortunately, I don't hear enough reinforcements being thrown around the media in terms of um, like a new centre-back, for example. I don't, I don't hear that at all. Um, uh, there's not much talk of any right-backs, really. Um, something that, you know, if Semedo was to be to be sold, I mean, I think they're actively looking to, to sell everybody, to be honest, or the vast majority of players, apart from the La Masia-grown players, the, some of them being captains, such as uh, Sergio Roberto or Busquets. I don't think they're being... They're, they're inter- you know, if there's a great offer coming for them, they will be sold, but I don't think they're actively looking to, to, to you know, ship them out. But um, Semedo, you know, is, is one that remains to be seen. Um, I think it is likely that he will stay, though. So, well, yeah, yeah. Let's my, talk. My... Let's talk transfers now. We have a ton of questions from Vishrut, Tobias, Gandhi, and Pancho, all about these transfers. And we've been talking about that back line, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. That I think there is a great frustration. We talk about the future of Nelson Semedo, even that there's an overcorrection that people seem to have to pick a side of this fence that he's good enough or bad enough. And I, I think there's much more nuance to that. The club should be investing in fullback spots, not because of any issue with the... Well, it is an issue with the current ones. That They've also sold Danny Morer from Barca B, which isn't a, a, a headline story that, that means anything to anybody, but there are currently zero healthy right-backs at Barca B. So this idea that they're going to also potentially... If, if Nelson Semedo goes down with a long-term injury, yeah, it'd be Sergio Roberto. So that would also mean that Musa Wage might have to be kept into the club, but no offense to Wage, but he did not impress at Nice. He should go out on loan for another season or potentially be sold. I mean, he did have a, a lot of potential. He does have a lot of potential. He's the usually the starting right back for Senegal. But Vlogge just hasn't been good enough yet for Barcelona in his career. He hasn't been able to take those steps forward that putting him on the bench behind Semedo isn't really going to help his progress either. So that just leaves Semedo on the right. And then you have Alba and Firpo on the left. And I think Firpo should get one more chance this season. And then Barca should go out, out with a new board after a left back hard next summer. And in the meantime, I, it's what I said for Frankie de Young. I'm going to die on this hill. And we had a show all about this like about a month ago when he was originally linked that Sergino Des from Ajax is the choice here. Bayern wants him too, so get him now. He's a right back, and he can also play on the left in a pinch. He's also 19, so he can be Semedo's understudy for a year. You're not kicking Semedo out. Just let him be an understudy. He'll get some time. Semedo is not so bad that he needs to be shipped out immediately, regardless of the Bayern trolling. But it does provide some real competition. And that is what these fullback spots have not had in years. Now, you can say that Semedo and Roberto were competition for each other, but neither was an undisputed number one. And you need a player who can become a number one, become an undisputed starter. So if Des doesn't come, do you stay on the phone with Valencia about Jose Gaia at the left-back spot this summer? Right now. Don't hang up. I know that he's the captain of Valencia, and they want to. Keep, he's the only one they want to keep, but Valencia is in trouble. So 
you're a club in trouble in Barcelona. So the only the only teams or squads you could possibly pick from are the other squads who are trying to sell players are in trouble. That's why Juventus and Barcelona were able to get that Artur and Pjanic deal to go because both clubs needed money and both clubs were in a bad way financially. So they both had to do that deal. But the, the two big ones here, Frances, that we keep hearing instead of the back line is about Jorginho Wijnaldum from Liverpool for 20 to 30 million euros and then Memphis Depay from Lyon from, for 20 to 35 million euros. And I think this goes to your point, Frances, that those two signings seem to be almost superfluous because those are the two spots, meaning we'll say the forward line, and Depay doesn't immediately become the best striker, the best left back, the best right back at Barcelona. He becomes just another option. But with Wijnaldum, he's a good player, but he's going to be entering into a midfield that if they're going to play a double pivot, and we're going to talk about the lineup at the end of the show, that Wijnaldum just seems to be a player that Barca don't need. Why do they need to spend 60 million euros on two players where they're the only two positions on the field seemingly that are completely reinforced? I, it just those, That's what doesn't make sense. It's that, once again, I'm going to mention about Parrot what Messi said, that it's not that the players aren't good and they might succeed and it might be the right pick but it doesn't seem to fit into any sporting project. And why would this board have a sporting project at this point? They're, they're gone in a few months. Yep. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. I agree with you 100%. Uh, Messi, in, in Spanish, he said malabares, which is like the juggling, like, you know, the, those jugglers do at the circus. And uh, he's totally right. I mean, as we've said already in the podcast, I think the, the main attention should be towards the back line. But, you know, we keep hearing from other positions. And uh, as I've said, I think it's three years in the podcast and probably... 16 years writing on Barca blog now or something like that. You cannot waste your money on players that will not start. That is where the problems come from. And then when you, you save this money and you promote from within, and then when you go for a big, big signing, then you just got to make sure you get it right. Um, and neither thing has happened in recent times. Um, I think that if they were going to invest anyone to play in a pivot position, because, you know, I think it's quite likely we haven't seen any games, but I think it's really likely that Kuman will go for a 4-2-3-1 with a double pivot. Yeah, we um, agree obviously, on that. Yeah, so we just signed Pjanic uh, from Juventus, who I think is an automatic starter. And uh, we've got the young, who Kuman has already said. And he played in, there in Holland, so this is someone he knows. He's already hinted that, um, you know, he would play his preferred position. And, uh, you know, he's had conversation with Busquets already. He hasn't had many conversations with anyone face-to-face, obviously, as we've said over the last two or three weeks. But uh, Busquets was one of the first to be called. And I think that it was more to say, hey, you need to take a little bit of a step back. So I think that means he won't be a starter. If I was to sign any midfielders at all, I would sign Thiago, to be honest. Um, he thinks, I think that he's kept his, um, his fitness, which is always the big question mark for me. Um, he's, he wants out of Bayern. I think that's pretty clear. I think he's very, very close to Liverpool. But um, Barca, you know, if Barca take a, you know, put a really good work and take a great offer his way, he may even consider it. Um, signing anyone else than Thiago for, for a pivot position, having just spent, well, Bartomeu tells us 60 million euros. I think it's, you know, it's more than 10. But anyway, it's a swap deal, isn't it, with Artur? But um, for Pjanic, then you just have to stick with those two. And then, then, then moving forward, I don't really see anyone that could improve what we have. I mean, you mentioned Memphis, Memphis Depay. And uh, I just don't think he is better than... Ansu or Coutinho, if he's going to stay, or Messi, obviously, or even Dembélé, arguably Trincao. I don't think he adds much more to than any of those. So if I was to sign anyone up front, it would be Lautaro Martinez. Um, obviously, there needs to be uh, an offer that is satisfactory for Inter Milan in there. And to be honest, Inter Milan, because of their ownership right now, 
there is no no need to sell unless the player really, 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 really wants out. Um, obviously, don't forget there's no release clauses in in Italy as far as I'm as, as far as I remember. So in my eyes, honestly, if Lautaro Martinez is not achievable and you don't sign Thiago, I would rather stay as we are and give yep. the money for the next president. Yeah, I agree, and I'm even going to push back on the Thiago point that I think that when you talk about starting eleven. Tiago comes in and then he starts in a double pivot next to De Young. He immediately becomes higher on the depth chart than Busquets and Pionic. But that's the whole thing about the Pionic thing, that that player just didn't make sense. You should have just taken money from Juventus, but to balance the books, Juventus, they had to balance their own books. So they had to have some kind of player in this swap deal. And now that Barcelona stuck with Pionic, then Tiago just, he just can't make sense when it comes to building a squad that... Even if he's the perfect player, if you will, I mean, he was probably the best player in the Champions League final. So, yeah, he's up to it. But you look at his age as well and his his injury history that you're going to bring those things up. And he's been healthy recently, but he was healthy. And Bayern Munich have a tremendous, tremendous fitness program. And it's it, we joked last week about the photos that you that come out. But it's true that Bayern players stay healthier than almost any other club in the world. They seem to have figured out some kind of secret sauce to keep their guys healthy. And you think that Thiago, when he goes somewhere else and he's not under that Bayern fitness regime, that things might fall apart for him. And that's this is weird thing, right, Frances, that I wound up knocking Thiago. I even caught myself doing it. I wound up knocking Thiago for two or three points to try to talk myself out of why he doesn't make sense. But he does make sense. Mm -hmm. He would be the starter. I think I agree with you that that Barcelona should have bring Thiago in. But that means that they shouldn't have had to make that Pionic deal. But because they already have Pionic, Busquets, Sergio Roberto, and De Young, and potentially Carlos Alenia, I'm hoping, all for a defensive midfielder spot, plus Manchu, if he, I mean, that, that's where he would play as well. He'd probably play in that double fit pivot. I know he's an attacking midfielder, but I think he would fit there uh, as far as the depth chart. And you also have Es Moriba coming up through as well, yep. who was named to the preseason. So it doesn't make sense to me, as much as Thiago Alcantara would be the starter and make the most sense, why are you bringing someone else in? For sure, I agree. And I'm, I'm going to be very quick with this. Um, signing Thiago would make sense because Thiago is a Barca player. He's a player made at Barca that understands the Barca way. And Thiago is one of those players that makes sense at Barca, regardless of who's coaching. Obviously, we've got a new president coming up in eight months, nine months, and you know, counting every second of it until Bartomeu actually leaves. But whoever comes in, they can always find use for Thiago. I think if we sign anybody like Wijnaldum that's been rumored, for example, uh, what does Xavi do with that if Xavi is going to be the next manager? What does whoever take take charge next year do with him? It would be another player that we've signed just as a patch rather than a long-term solution. Yeah, so I completely agree with you, and then I completely disagree with both of those points. And the part about Wijnaldum that you're right about is that Wijnaldum, again, is a good player for Liverpool. I'll never forget the brace he scored against Barcelona. I still have nightmares about it. Everybody does. And he's a player that if Barca could get for Liverpool for less than 30 million euros, sure, that's a good that's a that's a good deal. But it's not because he has one year left in his contract and he's about to turn 30. So that means that if you brought Wijnaldum right now for Ronald Koeman, a manager that may not be around in seven months, right? And he does great this year. And we're like, oh, Wijnaldum fits perfectly. And then a new manager comes in. Now you have Wijnaldum because when he comes, even though he has one year left in his current deal, that's why you're able to sign him. He's cheaper now because of the length of his contracts. So now, a year from now, you have a 31-year-old Wijnaldum with three years left on his contract who, doesn't, who wasn't brought in by the manager who is currently manager of FC Barcelona. And if that sounds like a problem that Barca keep getting themselves into, it's because they do. That's the issue I have with Wijnaldum, more so than anything that he could potentially do on the field. Now, the point that I'm going to disagree with and push back on is that the idea that Thiago wants to come to Barcelona is the one that we don't talk about. 
Because the names I always see, Alex Grimaldo at Benfica, he's the future of the left-back position at Barcelona. I see it more than anything else. But it wasn't just his row with Luis Enrique. He also had issues with the board. And I know it'll be a different board and a different manager and everyone will be different. But Grimaldo left Barcelona on bad terms. The same thing I saw this week about Adama Traore at Wolverhampton about potentially being a, another wing option or you could try to make him some kind of inverted fullback, something like that. But Adama Traore, he left Barcelona on bad terms. It is more likely that Grimaldo and Adama would play for Real Madrid than they would for Barcelona, honestly. Now, I know that La Masia is supposed to be in the blood, but there's this weird thing where if a player leaves La Masia and wants to come back like Eric Garcia with his heart, then that's a lot easier and makes sense for them to return. But if a player left on bad terms and doesn't want to return, we can't just try to assume that they want to return. And Thiago is the same thing, where we've heard a lot from Barcelona fans, and even it seems like the Barcelona brass is having an argument with Coleman. Coleman wants Wijnaldum, and Barca wants Thiago, so it seems like nobody's talking about any other positions but a position they don't need, but I guess no one's going to listen to us. Anyway, for Thiago, we've not heard from Thiago's camp at all that he's looking at coming to and returning to Barcelona. So that's the question I, I always pose, that you're thinking about what would be best for Barcelona. We, that's the perspective we take, but we don't think about what players, uh, especially what La Masia players, actually want to return to their club. And, and another player that's always mentioned is Monaco's Keita Balbe. Now, his stock has severely gone down, but when he was 20, 21 years old, remember, he was face, basically forced out of La Masia for playing a prank, but yet people always bring up, well, he's La Masia through and through, but he's not. He left and he said, I am never coming back because of the way that he was basically kicked out of La Masia for the way it works. And we also have to look at, again, who a player's agent is. And this is the point where I want to bring up Ansu Fati. I think we're going to put them, I, we agree on Wijnaldum and Dubai, so I think we'll put those to bed uh, for the time being. And I'll bring up Fati in that Fati's, his, he got rid of Messi's brother as his agent and his new agent is Jorge Mendez. And that is terrifying. Because Fati's contract is up in now about two years, and that means that they're going to have to re-sign him. And with Jorge Mendes, it's going to be a lot of money. And so with his new agent, Fati's putting Barcelona already in a tough, tough position. But the point for Fati moving forward is going to be if you bring up Depay and you put Fati on the bench for another year, this isn't about his feelings. This is just about his progress. That if you're going to block the progress of a player that has this much natural talent and can be this good, you're going to hurt yourself in negotiations. Where I, I, it's not that Fatih's going to make messy money. Obviously, that's in, insane to say. But so far, he's on this trajectory where he's going to get paid a lot. And Barcelona has to be prepared to pay their own a lot. This is the point. That if you're going to pay someone a lot of, a lot of money, is it going to be Wijnaldum, Depay, or is it going to be Fatih and Puj? And to me, I don't think there's any answer there. That if you're going to have to fork over a lot, and Fatih's agent and Jorge Mendes is going to try to get a lot from Barca, that's business. And that should happen. And Barcelona should be willing to pay for the asset that they themselves have groomed instead of trying to sell him for 100 million euros and trying to make back some of that on 25 or 30 million that they have in Depay at the age of 26. And that's no, again, it's not a knock on Depay because I can run through that he had an ACL injury in December. He's had injuries throughout his career. He struggled at Manchester United when he was in a big league last time. Well, not that France is in a big league, but he scored 15 goals in 22 matches. Oh, that's pretty good. He can play at left wing or striker. So he has these good things about him. But the problem is that Barcelona have Fati. So it's not that Fati is a, a, the, the, as we mentioned, it's not that Fati has to be the all-time starter, but you have Fati, Coutinho, Griezmann, Messi, Puj, Dembele, Trincao, Pedri. You have all these players, right? What is that? Eight players. And Brothwaite could still be stuck around as this basically an emergency stopgap. So you have all of these forward players. I think Barcelona will be fine this year to get through without another forward. And 
I, I'll finish up this point on Fati and let you jump in, Frances, that you have a player with Fati that I know we don't want to rush him. We don't want to overhype him. We don't want to say that he's the next savior of Barcelona. But what he's doing at his age, we cannot refute how special he is. I watched yesterday for Spain against Ukraine where he became the youngest goal scorer in Spanish national team history, which is absurd because of the history of the Spanish national team. He was the youngest to debut for the Spanish national team last week since 1936. The youngest player to ever score a brace in La Liga. Youngest Barcelona goal scorer in Champions League history. Youngest Barcelona Champions League debut. Youngest goal scorer at the camp, no. Youngest player to score an assist in the Liga match. Youngest start at the camp, no. Barcelona's youngest goal scorer in the Liga. And the youngest Barcelona on debut since 1941. Only one player that says Martinez was younger when he debuted for Barcelona. It doesn't matter how much we want to hype up Fati. Just that list. That list is not a hype about what he will be. That is telling you what he is now. He is truly special in this moment. He should be the starter, but he also shouldn't get too much time. So there's a way to, you have to blood every young player by giving them chances, getting them to be hungry and getting them to, I mean, you could drop him for, not drop him, but you can put him on the bench for a time and have uh, whoever it may be, continue at left wing or Dembele can switch out and be on the left and Trincao on the right, whoever it may be. And whatever they figure out is the perfect scenario Fatih can be a huge part of the equation this year without overexerting him and trying to crown him the next big thing. But that's why I said, if you bring in Depay, that blocks Fatih. So to me, it doesn't matter who Depay is, that immediately disqualifies him from this position. 100%. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I think Fatih is now a reality. I think that we could, you know, put him on the cotton wool and try and wrap him up and, you know, create a bubble for him. Unfortunately, for people who want to do that, um, he's broken the bubble already. He is starring not just for Barca, but also for Spain. Um, he was incredible. He was really, really, he was very engaging. He was constantly pushing at defenders. And uh, he seemed much more free playing with Spain under Luis Enrique, by the way. Someone who obviously knows him from his time at Barca as well. Even though he was really young, you know, everyone at Barca knew from Fat- about Fati from the beginning. The same way that everyone in Barcelona knows about Alish Moriba coming through. So, um, yeah, he was under his radar and uh, he created a system and, you know, enabled him to, to grow and to show his skills in the way that um, Setien and Valverde before him just, just couldn't do it. Um, so, you know, he's a player that is ready to, to perform now. Um, he's been very impressive and I've got high hopes for him to be even more impressive moving forward. Um, you mentioned a point about Barca playing their own. I think that Barca actually are quite fair in paying the, the La Masia players properly. Um, to be honest, I think sometimes they're a little bit too generous, um, especially with people like Jordi Alba and Busquets, etc. that have got, you know, really, really lucrative contracts until age 35, even 36 on some stages. So, so money is the key word here. I think that Jorge Mendes is going to pretty much every year, um, like Messi's agent has done over the last 10, trying to get a better deal, obviously going with, you know, he could go to this team, we go to another team, I've got this offer, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that's the, that's the nature of the beast. If you've got a player that is homegrown, that does that well, um, then there are always going to be pretendientes. There's always going to be uh, a potential team that may snatch him away. And, you know, I think that as long as uh, Fatih, and it's the point you made as well, I think as long as Fatih is motivated and sees his progression, not stalling, but actually moving forward, uh, getting a much more of a protagonist role as things move forward, then I really do think that he would want to stay. I mean, this is a player that has been with us from age, my understanding is age 12, 13, just coming through the ranks. Um, he supports Barca, his family do too, the whole of, you know, 
all of them are established in Catalonia, um, obviously coming from very humble beginnings in, in their original country um, from Africa. And uh, I don't think they want to go anywhere else. But obviously, you need to protect your players. You need to give them TLC. And in this situation, it's all about progression and enabling that growth. Yeah, so we're going to finish this up with how will the team line up. We had questions from Rohit, Eli, Matthias, Leonardo. And I know, Francis, we, I usually have you go first for matches. But I think for here, I'm going to go first. We have Barcelona in their preseason coming up on the weekend. And the rest of the Liga begins. But for Barcelona and Real Madrid, they get a few more weeks because of Champions League competition. And Barcelona, because they got even a step farther than Real Madrid, they get uh, even more time. So still a few weeks away from Barca. That said, I think seven of the 11 positions that we've been speaking about are, are already basically locked in. And I agreed with you earlier that I think it'll be a 4-2-3-1. So to start the season, it'll be, unfortunately, I wish it was a Naki Pena, but they have basically announced that it's going to be Neto in net. That's why he's not being sold, so that he can start the season until Ter Stegen can get healthy from his surgery. And then I, I think, I mean, you've seen it with the transfers. No changes to the back line. It's going to be Alba, Lingley, Piquet, and Semedo. Then De Jong as one of the the two in a double pivot. And potentially, I think, as we talked about, it could be a 50-50 split of Pjanic and Busquets. I think Pjanic is going to win the, we'll say, big match starting job if you have to pick a starting 11, and then Busquets coming off the bench. And then it's anybody's guess, because I think Messi here is the key. Because if Messi plays on the right wing where he potentially could, that means I think Griezmann, no matter what, he's going to be up top as that number nine. But then who's next to Messi? Is it going to be Coutinho in that front three? And then on the left, is it going to be a natural left winger like Fati? Or are you going to have Messi potentially in the middle with Dembele on the right? Or is it going to be Coutinho on the left wing? Uh, and I think what Coutinho is going to do and what I would do are two different things. For me, Coutinho is on the bench for Bayern. If he doesn't fit in the Barca's best 11, because I would play Messi underneath Griezmann, that's what I would do with Dembele on the right and Fati on the left and Puj coming off the bench. Or when Demele is out, it's Messi on the right and Puj is underneath Griezmann. And then when you swap out Griezmann, you put Messi up top and maybe that's where Coutinho could be underneath him or Puj is still underneath him. But for Coutinho, I think whether or not he plays left wing, I think, again, he's best in that middle three of a 4-2-3-1. That's where he played for Bayern coming off the bench. You saw that his role was good. So, I mean, I know that Barca played all, uh, paid all that money for him, but if he was on the bench for Bayern, he can be on the bench for Barcelona. The same thing for Griezmann. There has to be, you almost have to, Get rid of the fact that, uh, yes, Barcelona paid all that money for those players, but if they don't fit in Barca's starting 11, then Coleman's going to have to be brave. And they don't have to be bench players, but you bring them in off the bench, and they have a role. Coutinho had a role for Bayern, and I think that's what helped him flourish. Um, and there are also rumblings that we could see Fati sometime at the 9 this year, where he played for the majority of his youth career in La Masia. So I think Fati, and I've said this for a while too, that I think he profiles eventually to be the answer at the number 9. So I know we talk about Latara Martinez, but let's say you have a 22-year-old Fati in now four years' time, and he's the best number nine in the world. That's not a crazy idea to me. That's not completely foreign. We saw with, with Spain that he's a, he can really be terrific in the box. He makes runs into the box that are what you'd see from a number nine. So I think there's so many options. Once again, nobody is needed, but there's so many options here. Frances, I, I, know, I assume that you're going to agree with me on basically, we'll say, the goalie, the back line, and the, the double pivot. But how do you see the front four shaking out? Like exactly like you, Dan, you spoiled everything that I was going to say by being so detailed as always. Um, I agree with you. Uh, I think that for me, it's the, the back line is what you said, Pjanic and the young in the middle. I think Pjanic ahead of Busquets, as you mentioned as well. 
And for me, it's Ansu on the left, Messi in the middle, and Dembele on the right, uh, with Griezmann being a number nine in front of them. Now, there are a lot of variations on that. Um, I don't think Ansu can start every game. I think he's still too, like we say in Spanish, too verde. He's too green. It's too early for him to start every game. But you need, to, you need to ease him off or just have him as a starter and then give him rest. But I don't think he can play every single game as a starter. Uh, definitely not at 17 years old. And maybe moving forward in, in his career, he will be. So then you throw Coutinho into, into the mix. And I think that if Coutinho was to make the starting 11, he would be, in my eyes, behind Griezmann. So it would be Griezmann's striker and Coutinho as the number 10 behind. And then Messi starting on the right wing. Obviously, if Dembele is fit, then, which is a big, big if in our experience in the last three years, then he may get the start. But I think that if you are going to start Coutinho, then Messi needs to go towards the right. Uh, the other option that you haven't mentioned is Messi being the number nine as well. That's also a possibility that could be considered. Um, he cannot be a, you know, an attacking reference in terms of over the air and, and you know, heading crosses in. That's not what Messi is. But um, what he cannot give you in the air, he gives you in every other sense of the word. So I think that there are a lot of incognitas in there that, that need to be solved. Um, I am very eager to see what Trincao, which we haven't mentioned very much, what Trincao can offer, and obviously Pedri as well, because, you know, if Ansu Fati at 17 years old is that, well, we both included him in our starting 11, then I don't think Pedri could be too far behind. And uh, Ricky Puch is also there somewhere. So I think that, you know, we, to be honest, I think we've got, I was going to say stacked. I think we've got a really, really good attacking eight players that um, most of them can interchange positions. I don't think we've got a clear, clear number nine, but I think that Griezmann needs to be given the go-ahead just to be the, you know, the undisputable starter. And then if three, four months down the line that's not working, then then see. I mean, as I said at the beginning, if you can't sign Lautaro, I think you do it because that is a, a number nine that could could stay for the next 10 years. But um, if the economy of the club, which obviously is, is, is disastrous, doesn't allow us to do it, then to just keep moving with the players we've got at the moment. Yeah, once again, I want to go into the bravery point about Puj and particularly Pedri and Trincao as well. If they earn minutes and they earn time, and I watched enough of Trincao, I think I saw him six or seven times a season, and the same thing with Pedri. I actually think Pedri playing the second division is a little bit farther along at 17 than Trincao is at, I believe he's 20 or 21. So Trincao is a, a very direct player. And I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get used to playing in the Liga. He had a bit of a free role. And defensively, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get kind of warmed up to how things are going to have to happen in Barcelona, especially if he's to play on the right and Messi is either up top or, or in the middle there. But for Pedri, I think Pedri, he did kind of go oscillate in and out of matches, but that's to be expected of a 17-year-old. So I think Pedri, especially off the bench in short bursts, you might see 30 minutes of Pedri this year, and you go, how is that guy not a starter for Barcelona? And I think you could see that a bit. And so he'll get a start here or there where there might be matches where you go, oh, he didn't really show up, he couldn't affect the match. But yeah, he is 17, and that's fine. But I think people are going to be really happy of what they see with Pedri. And Trincao, I think, is going to, again, be a pleasant surprise as well. But when it comes to Puj, this is kind of what I said last week about now that Messi is in the squad, I, I mean, I, it's going to eat into Puj's minutes, obviously. But whether or not Puj is behind a striker or, I mean, again, we're saying it's going to be a 4 one which is what it seems to be. But if it's a 4-3-3, then Puj could really get a lot more time there. And for Puj, that's the argument with Coutinho. If Barcelona, as they were in the last few months of the season, if Barcelona are best with Puj in the starting lineup playing right underneath Messi then that's what you have to go with. That age in this instance doesn't matter. As you said, you said it perfectly about Fati. 
that you're not putting the weight of the world in his shoulders. He's not going to start every match. But if he earns the starting spot in a big, big match, then you start him in that match. Same thing with Puj. If he's the best player for Barca in a position, then he's the regular starter. And then Coutinho kind of has to deal with it. And money cannot matter here. But, you know, as much as I was optimistic about Coleman, that is my great fear. That a manager that now with Messi in tow might still be managing for trophies. And, you know, again, it's more likely, and football always tells us, it's more likely that Coutinho should beat out Puj for a starting spot at Barcelona. That should be the case, right? And and it's it's a surprise if the younger player is better than the experienced veteran. Same thing, if Pedri is better on the left wing than Coutinho in coming in for Fati, then Pedri should play. But it's a lot harder for him to be better than a player with all that experience. And, you know, I, I think that for Barcelona, there is a way to get, as you said, the most out of all these players. And I would actually hold off on the Lautaro Martinez stuff uh, until next summer when maybe Inter are a little more willing to sell and they're done with this pandemic finances and there's a new board in place and you could really build and figure things out there. So I think, you know, as I said, we agree on those things. We are going to finish the show. However, real quickly, Zach asked, as it looks, we're not going to be able to buy a new outside backs this window. Do you think any Barcelona B wingers could be converted? To Zach's question, I think the answer is no. But I do want to bring up, as I've been talking about, I think Conrad De La Fuente has proven, particularly at the end during those playoffs, that he will be the regular starter for Barca B on the wing. And for a long time, I don't know how many times I've said this on the pod, but for a long time, I, you know, he's American, so I've been watching him since he was, what, 16 years old? I mean, he's only 19 now, but I've watched him since he was 16 and breaking into the U.S. men's national team setup or you setup when he was 17. And I always thought there was something missing from his game. He relied a little bit too much on one foot. He seemed to want to take players on 50-50, but I mean, uh, sorry, he wanted to take on defenders, but he didn't seem to beat them enough times where he would lose the ball. And I was worried about his long-term progress, but he took a huge leap this year, honestly. And he's going to be the regular for Barca B. And when it comes to Copa del Rey, I would throw him out there and completely trust him. So that is another player and another reason. Now, I'm not saying you don't sign Memphis to buy this season because of Conrad De La Fuente, who's 19, because you don't want to take away the two or three times he could be in the first team. But as I said, I think there is depth at the winger positions, even at Barca B. And I don't see any of the wingers potentially being converted because both Barca B and Juvenil A are going to be quite young this year. So I think that they could potentially in future seasons. But I will say... I would try out Oral Busquets. If he if they can't get something good for him, I think he's going out on loan and being sold. But I would try Oral Busquets at the right back position because you're gonna have a stay-at-home right back in this instance, and you have Alba potentially bombing forward on the left side. So I would try Oral Busquets at the right back spot. And I would try the left footed Casalena because this is a player that could get lost in a shuffle here if he doesn't leave the club. I would try out Casalena at left back. And people have mentioned keeping Rafinha as well. That is not a bad idea either because he is so versatile and can really fit in and fill in a bench. I think Rafinha has earned his spot. Though he did get on loan, he stayed, signed a contract, went out on loan, and he does deserve, I mean, not to say that any player deserves to leave, but Rafinha deserves, having stayed healthy last year, the ability to be sold on for a pretty good figure and become a starter and a regular fixture at another club if that's what he wants. So I think the, the club would be wise to do that. But if, if Rafinha is around, then yeah, I think Carlos Alenia should get a shot at left back. I think Rafinha should get a, a shot at left back. And I think Coleman, he's just going to have to be creative because you have a lot of players in your squad and there's a lot that this squad can do. They just look a lot deeper than last year. Maybe not better because you don't have Suarez to, to score Galazos or Vidal and Rakitic as these even heads that you expect in the Champions League. But Barca clearly didn't do that last year. 
And now I think you're going to see this transition of power. So I end this with optimism, Frances, that there is, I think, a transition between a young generation and what is an outgoing older generation. And this is a squad that has both that. They have youth, they have experience. So I know that we're expecting no trophies this year. And I, I wouldn't say a treble is possible, but if you tell me that Messi's going to leave the Camp No, lifting the Liga trophy and the Copa del Rey, I think, A, that's actually a successful season in the way that this has all been setting up. And B, I think that's actually possible. Possibly, possibly. Uh, but I think that we need to, in my eyes, you know, <laughs> I'm Catalan. I've been watching Barca for over 40 years now, or about to be 40 years now. Um, I think that we need to expect that Barca will win nothing next season. Um, I think that, you know, the turmoil that they've experienced this, this year, um, the, the way that Bartomeu has not reinforced the team um, effectively, the fact we've got an election, the fact that over the next eight months there's going to be a lot of disagreements from, you know, brought forward by the different candidates to, to make the candidacy more, more effective and obviously more successful. I think that we, we've got a, a difficult year ahead. I think that you know, if Barca are winning, especially if Messi keeps scoring goals, I think that this uh, the whole fiasco about Messi leaving um, will be forgotten as soon as he starts scoring goals, which I think would be great for all of us. But um, if he doesn't, then I think that situation could could turn ugly. Um, also, you know, we were talking about a cleanup um, two three shows ago before the Messi bomb exploded, and uh, if you think about it, Suarez is not gone yet, so there's still a possibility that he will end up staying. Don't discard that. Rakitic is gone, but Vidal is not gone either. So I think that, as we said before, you need to open the door to make sure that these players, that, you know, they've given so much to the club, but we need to be grateful and obviously let them go and, and be successful and, you know, earn their last paycheck somewhere else. That's not happened yet, so I'm a little bit wary of that. Uh, but also, you know, you've got Messi still in the dressing room. You, you've got to try that he's going to try his best. But, you know, he was very clear in his interview. He was not happy at Barca last season. Um, he's going to get a coach that, you know, he's going to cut the privileges of a lot of his friends and obviously himself um, a lot. So he may not be too happy with that either. If Alba is also staying, I don't think that's a good move either. So, you know, I, I want to be optimistic, but I personally just don't see it just yet. Um, I don't want to be the negative one on the podcast, but I have to speak my mind. And I, I think that we need to expect Barca win nothing next season. And as I said two, three weeks ago, I'm not changing what I said. I think that if Kuman can build, can do the clear up, getting rid of these older players, motivating the, the next generation and sort of nurturing the next generation to grow, um, to be successful in two, three years, I think more three than two, to be honest, then that's a job well done, um, especially if the club continues to be stable and the next president gets a club in a, in a right positive situation. And obviously around March time, still challenging for the titles, I would think that would be, be a job well done. But um, let's, you know, time will tell you that actually happens. Yeah, I mean, my head agrees with you that there's no way, I mean, it's unprecedented for your captain and your best player to say, I'm being held this year at the club in a way I don't want to be here. No, it, never in the history of football has that turned out to wind up meaning great success for a club. It just doesn't work that way. And yes, a new manager coming in is another uh, variable in there. So yes, my head absolutely agrees with you that there's no way, no path forward says that Barcelona is going to be a winning squad this year. But my heart does say that there's, what, a 20%, 30% chance that something clicks, that something works. And uh, as I said for a long time, that if Luis Suarez is gone, Barcelona have legs behind Messi. It's going to be weird because as much as we saw that Suarez and Vidal and Rakitic and all these players were kind of signed in there to support Messi, 
that having a young team might be the best support that we've seen defensively him have. And that's why putting him at the number nine is interesting because I say that putting him there allows him to do what almost Lewandowski does for Bayern Munich. And they set the template that all he has to do is shadow the ball to one of the, to the center backs out to the wing backs. And then by having actual wingers in your team who can press and can win the ball back on the, in the flanks, you do support yourself defensively and it'll, they'll look a lot more like the Barca of old. And I think that will help Messi look a lot more like the Messi of old, but It'll have to be seen because, again, I, I think you're right that the opportunity and the ability for Barcelona to be a championship-winning team this year are much more far-fetched than the idea that things will not go so great this season. But, hey, that's why we record the podcast. That's why we reset every week because the next time you hear us, I, I don't know about you, Frances, but I will have watched some preseason action so that yep. you as we know preseason can tell us everything we need to know and all the answers are always in the preseason especially before players and the transfer window is over so we will talk to you next time because again we've got preseason action on the horizon so thanks so much for tuning in again you can tap in your app check out the show notes to subscribe you can find us on social media we're on twitter at the barcelona pod or at health and knee 13 for me on instagram at the barcelona pod our closed facebook group where we got some of these questions that motivated this conversation at tvpod.link backslash group also deeper dive and discussions and all that with barca coming back that means there's going to be quick take match reviews coming back on patreon as well and you can help us continue to make these shows at tbpod.link backslash patreon we're also on youtube as you know with special features every week exclusive to the video format that's the barcelona podcast on youtube so check us out there and hit that subscription button so thanks so much for listening to the barcelona podcast until next time we'll talk to you soon and for the barca barca The wait is finally over. Football is back, and that is American football for all of you Barcelona fans. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.